0: Thank you, Judith. The Spirit is here. He is with us this morning. And that has been a blessing, hasn't it? I expect you're getting a bit tired of Romans 12 now. I expect you're wishing it was time we could just move on. Isn't it time for a change yet? We're nearly there. Next week, I think, will be the last one. Uh, in this series and we've been learning in this chapter about a different kind of life a different kind of living that's what this chapter is about it's a way of living that is being transformed by letting God work in us to change the way we think the way we see the world the way we think about our priorities and what's important to us. And everything that we've learned in this chapter, everything that we've looked at and learned about that's here, all of it is in the context of worship. It says that this is our true and proper worship. It is our only fitting worship, our only fitting response to God. And God's grace and mercy to us is to submit our lives to him and allow him to transform us by changing the way that we think. We have found so much in this chapter. I hope that you have found it fruitful and valuable for your growth and for your life in God so let's read from our chapter again Uh, and like we did last time i'm going to read two chunks rather than reading the whole chapter all the way through so i'm reading from romans chapter 12 it will be on the screen for you but please turn to it if you have your bible there therefore i urge you brothers and sisters in view of god's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to god this is your true and proper worship do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then You will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now I'm going to verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse rejoice with those who rejoice mourn with those who mourn live in harmony with one another do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position do not be conceited let's pray Jesus it is your word that we read and it is your voice that we come to hear. Make us ready, we pray, to hear from you, to take your word deep into our hearts and to be changed by it. Speak and illuminate. Holy Spirit, we pray, amen. So today, the new verses that that we've come to in our chapter are verses 14 to 16, but I'm really just going to focus on verse 14 today. Why this one? Because I think this is the hardest bit. Um, This is the bit that is hardest for us in the section that we've read. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. And we're gonna think about this today in terms of the people who give us trouble, people who hurt us, people who do us harm. But I want to put a big proviso before I start today because I've worked in the area of safeguarding for too long. And I need to say, this is really important, that none of what I'm gonna say today is meant to refer to the abuse and serious harm that people can do. It can damage already broken people even further if we put guilt on them that they must forgive their abuser and they will be failing to please God if they're struggling to do that. The kinds of things I'm gonna be talking about today are not those things. And it's an important distinction to make. The kinds of things that I'm talking about today are the day-to-day hurts that we cause each other. When people hurt us or upset us or say things about us or offend us, what I'm not talking about is sustained abusive behaviour that happens often but not always within a family setting or domestic abuse. I don't think the Bible provides any quick and easy fixes for people who have been broken by another person's abuse. And please don't think that I would suggest one today. If you have suffered abuse, what you need to know is that God gets that. He understands what you have experienced. And he asks nothing more of you than that he might gently do his work in you over time to bring some healing in you. In churches, we talk quite a lot about seeking God's forgiveness when we have sinned. And we talk quite a lot about forgiving another person when they have sinned against us. But what we hardly ever talk about is what it feels like to be living with brokenness that has been caused by another person in us. And that is not quickly healed or sorted. We can't just pray and and everything's fine again. If you are in that situation, you need to know that God gets it. He sees the brokenness and he doesn't think that you're a failure because you're not fixed yet, because you haven't sorted it out yet. There is acceptance and gentleness and understanding when we come to God with brokenness. So when I talk about Bless those who persecute you today. I want us all to understand what I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about serious abuse. If you have suffered or are suffering serious abuse, you must talk to someone. You must talk to someone you trust and get their help and support. But what I want to talk about today with this are the kinds of things that all of us encounter at times. A work colleague who is just horrible, someone who makes our life difficult, someone who causes us stress or hurt by their behavior or their words. I'm sure you can all think of some examples in your own mind from your own life of those kinds of instances. Bless those who persecute you. Those are shocking words. They shock us they, because they go against the grain for us. They go against our instincts because we want justice. We want to see justice. We want to see the right thing happen. We want to put things right. We don't want to bless someone who persecutes us or who has hurt us or done us harm. It just doesn't seem right. But this is what the scripture says. It's really quite clear, isn't it? Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. So there's a choice for us to make in these kinds of situations. We can't choose how others behave but we can choose how we are gonna respond. We can choose to bless, or we can choose not to bless. But it doesn't sit comfortably with us, does it, to bless? We need to work this through. Why does scripture say this? And really, it does affect all of us, doesn't it? Because Paul doesn't say, If you are persecuted, then bless them. He just says, bless them when they persecute you. This is real. It will happen and it does happen. It affects all of us. There will be difficulties. There will be hurts. There will be people who cause you difficulty and pain. I looked up the meaning of persecute. I always like to do this. I can never take a word at face value. Dictionary definition. To persecute is to subject someone to hostility and ill treatment. To treat someone unfairly or cruelly. To make someone suffer. To harass or punish in a manner designed to injure grieve or afflict so this is deliberate this is not someone who inadvertently hurts your feelings it's not the stuff that just happens that makes life hard for you no this is sustained ongoing bad treatment by someone who could make a different choice And we've probably all experienced that in some way. We know it happens, and it will happen again. And when it happens, the Bible gives us an emergency toolkit for how we're going to handle it. It seems like a very unnatural way to us, but it's a better way. It is God's way. Bless them. Pray for God's blessing on them. So what does bless mean? Well, I look that up as well. To bless is to ask God to look favorably on. To ask for God's help and protection for someone or something. To thoroughly enrich someone's life. Okay. So those are not things that we're likely to want to pray for the person who is making our life difficult. I don't want to pray that. Is this really the Bible's best answer? I mean, really, our best answer might be to punch them in the nose. That's got to be better. It's going to make us feel better. Or at the very least, surely I will get moaning rights about them and about it. But scripture says you've got to bless them. There is no other way. We can't just dig a tunnel and go round it. You've got to pray for their good, for God's goodness on them and in their life. Let's just notice that we're not talking about forgiveness here. I think forgiveness is something else something quite specific. And I think that's not really what's being talked about here. Forgiveness usually needs time. You can't just do it straight away. But you can do this. This you can do straight away. And I think that's what this is intended to be. This is our emergency response kit. This is God's best idea for how we should respond. It's actually the only idea that the Bible gives us about how to deal with things like this, people like this, situations like this. There isn't a menu of options for us in scripture. There is forgiveness, but forgiveness is not the most practical suggestion to make to someone if they're not ready for that. Well, they've done this to me. What should I do? Well, you should forgive them. Is that it? I can't do that. Not yet. So, am I supposed to just sit here in a state of sin because of something that's been done to me and I'm still
1: hurting and I've just got to wait till I feel better? You can do this. I
0: think this is something that we can do even if we can't forgive the person yet. Even when the pain is still raw, forgiving may come later. I think it's feasible that we would be able to do this even when we're not ready to forgive. But as a sign that we are giving this to God, we can pray for them. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. And this is one of the hardest things in the whole of Scripture. Because when someone hurts me, there's a really deep hurt That happens when someone unfairly spreads lies about me things that aren't true my sense of injustice burns really strong when someone makes my life harder by being mean or cruel or unkind I feel like if I don't stand up against that I'm just gonna get crushed but the answer is here At least the emergency toolkit is here for how to respond. You've got to bless them. So let's get really practical about this. Our first response when something like this happens needs to be to go straight to prayer. We need to go straight to prayer. We don't always do that. We go through a huge banqueting table of emotions before we get to that. But go straight to prayer. Go straight to God and bless them. Let the first words out of your mouth or in your mind be asking for God's blessing on them. This is not going to be... Uh, going straight to the kind of prayer where it's an opportunity for you to just rehearse at length all the wrongs that they've done to you and how hurt you are and how much you're suffering. You can tell God those things. I, I, I think it would be false not to, to pretend that we're not feeling those things. But don't spend longer on those things than you do on praying a blessing on this person it feels really unnatural doesn't it I don't know about you but I like to take plenty of time to go over all the bad things that they did and the reasons why they are wrong and all the badness that must be in them and I make sure that I include some time to justify myself as well and how I haven't done anything wrong and how utterly unjust all of this is and I might then pray for myself, for God's help and healing to deal with this great wrong. I don't want to belittle it, really, because there are wrongs that are done to us at times by another person. But I need to learn to have it in my mind that my priority when that happens in that situation is to pray for them. And to pray for their blessing, not to pray that God will change them and convict them, to pray for their blessing. I wonder why this is. I wonder why this is what God wants of us. It's very specific, it's not to pray for them to be convicted of the wrong that they've done and to be changed. It is to pray for their blessing. It really doesn't come naturally to us because there is a power dynamic going on. The thing that they have said or that they've done, that makes it feel like they are somehow powerful. They've had power to cause us pain. And our instinct is to try to restore the balance by lashing out. This powerless feeling is horrible. I don't like it. I need to do something about it. I'm hurting. And so the way that we react and respond is driven by this need to restore some sort of sense of power back in this situation. And to pray for them, to pray a blessing for them, just feels utterly wrong because it feels like it's confirming the power that they have over me. It's going to reinforce it and keep me down in this place of powerlessness and hurting. But this is where something amazing happens. Because what actually happens when we do this is the opposite of what you think. What you're imagining is false. Because when you pray a blessing for that person who has hurt you, God lifts you up. It makes no human sense, but when you are willing to do this, to pray for their blessing when they have hurt you, God does something that it really doesn't feel like he's going to do and that you really wouldn't expect. Praying this prayer doesn't push you down further. It lifts you up it doesn't strengthen the power of the thing that's been done it breaks the power of the thing that's been done and it sets you free why does scripture ask this of us well like everything else in this chapter this little snippet is about our growth We can only do this. We can only bless and not curse that other person if there are other things that matter more to us than our own pain. If there are things that matter more to us than nursing our own pain and sense of injustice. Does seeking to grow more and more into the character of christ matter more to you than the hurts that you experience the hurts are real i'm not denying that but if we get stuck in the hurts then we're not maturing Every time something happens where someone hurts us or persecutes us in some way, we have an opportunity. There is an invitation
1: to grow.
0: Don't dwell in the negativity. We could interpret do not curse to mean that. This instruction, do not curse, means do not speak bad words about them. Do not wish or desire bad things for them. And don't dwell in the negativity. The next time someone wrongs you or hurts you in some way, you need to go straight to God and bless them. Don't go to other people and talk about them negatively. That's a habit that so many of us have. And it's understandable because we crave the understanding and the sympathy of someone else. And we have a really strong craving to recruit them onto our side against this other person because that soothes the hurt that we're feeling and it gives us a bit of a sense of power back. But don't do that. Go straight to God and ask him to pour his favor out on that person. It will be costly for us to do that. You can tell God a bit about how you're feeling and what's been done to you, but go back to praying a blessing for that person and make
1: sure the blessing outweighs the I'm hurt talk. There is humility in this. The other danger
0: of dwelling in the negativity and the outrage and the pain and the injustice is that we can start to get an impression of ourselves that we are not like, I am not like them. I don't do that. I'm better than them. And we're not. We do like to hold on to the moral high ground, don't we? We like to stay on the high ground. And this kind of blessing of an enemy and praying for their good, it kind of feels like, well, we have to come down off our high ground to do that. We don't want to. But it's what we need to do. When we hold on to our own rightness and our own injury, God cannot work in us. For His grace to come and to be at work, we've got to let go of those things and step down off our platform of being in the right and show some humility. How quickly we forget the extent of the grace that we have needed the extent of the grace and the forgiveness that God has shown to us. When we find ourselves in this kind of place of nursing our hurts that have been caused by someone else, we need to remind ourselves of how much God has forgiven us and blessed us in spite of how hateful and
1: difficult we can be. And maybe we should also remember the way that we would like
0: others to forgive us and be nice to us when we've done or said something that we shouldn't. Unless you want to make the case that you never do or say anything you shouldn't. These things are beyond our human nature. They are beyond our human capability. But the theme of this whole chapter, chapter 12, the theme is God calling us to a life that runs opposite to our feelings and our impulses and our human nature. That's the whole point. We are called to something more than living a life that is determined by our instincts and our emotions. It is the life of grace. And it is impossible unless we have surrendered our lives to Christ as a living sacrifice. Unless we have surrendered our will and our agenda and our priorities and we are allowing him to transform us by renewing our minds The only way that we can respond any differently to what our human nature says is through that kind of surrender and that kind of transformation. Allowing the Holy Spirit in us to mold our
1: way of thinking and of seeing. Blessing the people who
0: persecute you. It's not just a good idea. It's not just a nice idea. Blessing those who oppose you and make your life difficult, who hurt you and damage you. It's not just a way of handling things so that you can get by in life. It is an essential practice for God's transformation in us. It is an essential practice for our walk with God and our discipleship. It is the fruit of a life that has been submitted and a will that has been submitted and a mind and a life that is in the process
1: of being transformed. To choose not to do this,
0: to choose not to bless in this kind of a situation, that has consequences too. It harms your soul, it holds back the work of the Spirit in you, it keeps you in a place of non maturity. And non-growth, don't you want to get out of that place and move on? When we choose to bless, that is an act of obedience and it is a work of grace. And because it is a work of grace, it releases the power of grace when we do it. I don't think we realize the power of the grace that is unleashed when we make the costly choice to do this.
1: It will give you life. Let's be quiet for a moment.
0: I wonder if you could put on the screen for me
1: the picture that I gave you.
0: Just added this this morning because this came to me this morning this is a picture that I, sh- I used earlier in the year, you may recognize it, it's Jesus reaching through water, I found it mesmerizing when I found it. And if you look you may be able to see his feet are there, it's quite dark on this screen. His feet are there standing on the water.
1: And that tells you what story this is from. I think there may be someone, and you
0: feel like you're underwater. Jesus is reaching out to you, his hand is stretched out to grasp
1: yours. And to pull you up. You may have been trapped in a situation
0: of hurt, but he is there ready,
1: stretching out his hand to you. And you need to do this thing
0: that we've talked about this morning. You need to let His grace break through to you. It's been blocked and you've been stuck, but there's a prayer that you need to pray.
1: So let's just take a few moments of quiet. There's maybe pain that you've been carrying because someone
0: has hurt you and you haven't been able to pray this prayer for them but you can now the hand of jesus is stretched out to take
1: yours and he will set you free Jesus, will you come and do
0: a mighty work of grace in us when we do this, when we submit and make ourselves vulnerable and pray for the blessing of those who have hurt us, even when we're still hurting. And we want to do this not to gain credit in your eyes but because we want to grow we want to move forward and we want you to do this work of grace in us for those who are hurting here this morning will you unleash this power of grace over them into their lives so that they will find true beauty from ashes
1: and your work of new life in them Two songs before we finish.